April 25th, 2023. Before we again begin the Gemara, let's quickly review what we realized and saw and learned in the Gemara yesterday. We saw two opinions with regards to the purpose, the reason that underlies Eruv Tavshilin. The first opinion that the Gemara mentioned, it's in the second wide line, was that of Excuse me, the first one is on the first wide line, Rava. Rava explained that the reason for Eruv Tafshilin, again, the food which is prepared before Yom Tob, which gives the ability, rabbinically speaking, to cook from Yom Tob for a meal on Shabbat, the reason of Rava, the Gemara told us, was Kedesh Yivror Mana Yafa Le Shabbat Umana Yafa Le Yom Tob. The purpose of the Eruv Tafshilin is so that a person doesn't neglect the responsibilities, the mitzvah, of having a proper meal on Shabbat. You might get carried away by your meal on Yom Tov. As a result, begin your Shabbat meal before preparation, before Yom Tov. You kind of have it on your mind starting already then. We can assume as a result, says Rava, that your meal for Shabbat will be appropriately prepared because you began it beforehand. Rav alternatively said, Kedeshi Yomeru, it's specifically a sign. It's a symbol of sorts. Kedeshi Yomeru, so people will know. Uh, Certainly uh, people will say, if you needed an Eruv Tavshilin in order to permit cooking from Yom Tov, to Shabbat, you'll understand that you can't cook from Yom Tov to Hall. In other words, it's a general restriction which in turn has a specific symbol that you place, that we place, so that we remember, although we're cooking for Shabbat, we cannot, under any uh, circumstances, cook from Yom Tov to a uh, Hall, to a weekday. Uh, those two... So the first one is really a Gezerah on a Mujibah Banan, because you said, right, the meal is not... But the second one is really a restriction. It's a mahloka, as I mentioned, it's about whether hachana from Yom Tov to Hol is min ha-Torah mid-Rabbana, Rav Chastan Rabbah. So ultimately speaking, it might end in the same place, but point taken nonetheless. Uh, so the, these two opinions really touch upon an issue that uh, Jared raised yesterday, and we had a little bit of a debate yesterday about, um, and that was uh, how much in advance of Yom Tov can you, or is it a per- Oh, Jared, all right, there it is. Perfect timing. Um, uh, so now I'll, I'll mention a few other people. Maybe they'll walk in now as well. Uh, the, the issue um, that he raised is how much in advance can you, is it appropriate, is permitted, to prepare your Eruv Tafshilin before Yom Tov? Does it need to be on Erev Yom Tov, on the day beforehand? Or can it be a week, a year, I don't know, a few weeks, more than that um, in advance? This issue is, is debated amongst the Rishonim, and it really emanates, it stems from these two opinions. It begins with, I put it on the page in front of you from his son, it begins with Rosh. Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher ben Yechiel, is a commentary which uh, is Posek Kalachot in the back of the standard Gemara. Uh, the art school Gemara doesn't give you the back commentary, so easier to do it this way from Tur. Tur is the block letters in the middle of the page. It's his son, Biakov Bal Haturim. He was a 14th century rabbi who started in Germany but spent most of his life in Spain. And he was the precursor, for all intents and purposes, Tur to what we know as Shulchan Aruch. He's a few hundred years beforehand, but he codifies, he puts together halakha in several sections in a very clear fashion. See here at the top, he's, he's really quoting his rendition of his father in Yodalid, in Sa'if Yodalid, in Tafkof. Kavzain and Orachaim says, 
it's permitted to place down their eruv al dat with the mindset liyot somech alav with the mindset of I'm going to use it at any time that it's existent. Even if that's so, even if it's from Sukkot to Pesach, even if it's from Pesach to Shavuot, or whatever the circumstance may be, all going to be permitted, says Tur. Where's this again coming from? So if you take a look at the bottom of the page there, back on the side that was Saif Yodalit, the bottom of the page, five lines from the bottom, what you're reading in the sides to Tur are several commentaries. The one we're focused on specifically right now is Bet Yosef. Bet Yosef is written, written by Rabbi Yosef Karo. He's the author of Shohan Aruchi in terms of our Pesach Halakha. It's very important, every word, every letter that he put down on the page. And uh, this is uh, one of his uh, earlier commentaries because instead of it being like Shohan Aruch, which is Pesach Halakha, this is what you do, it's a commentary. He's giving you the background to what Tur wrote. So he's giving you to a certain extent the background to what he's going to write later on in his Shulchan Aruch. It's kind of like I give you the lesson and then I give you the bottom line. So here's the lesson. He cites here five lines from the bottom in the Bet Yosef letters. Beresh perek bet betzah. So the beginning of Masechet Betzah, of the second chapter, as we're reading, Ba'eh, the Gemara had a question. My ta'ama tiknu eruv tafshilin. Why is it that the rabbis establish eruv tafshilin? Amar Rava kedeshi ivror manai yafa le Shabbat manai yafa le Yom Tov. Rava she Amar kedeshi yomru eno fin mi Yom Tov le Shabbat. So those are the two opinions that we just reviewed in the Gemara, and we know at this point, I hope, very well. The Katav HaRosh, it says in turn, Rosh and Siman Aleph, right in the back of the Gemara, at the beginning of the second chapter, Yera'eh, it would seem, or Yir'eh, the practical difference, halachically speaking, between these two opinions, Ben Elu Shene Ta'amim, Sarich Le'arev Davka Be'erev Yom Tov, Kedeshi Yivror Mana Yafa Le'Shabbat. Says Rosh, the difference among others between these two opinions would be how much in advance can you prepare the in order to permit cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbat. According to the first opinion, Rava, if the whole purpose of the Tavshilin is so that now I have good food for my Shabbat meal, well, think about it. Half a year ago, I prepared the beginning of my Shabbat meal, and you defined the whole purpose. The whole purpose was that I'll have in mind that I'll realize I began my meal, we began cooking something, we have fresh bread, we have fresh meat and eggs, whatever it is that you prepared, and now on Yom Tov, I'll make certain that for Shabbat I have a fully beautiful and, and delicious meal. You did it a lot in advance under that circumstances. Oh, certainly, but... But firstly, you don't need to, you're supposed to. But the purpose, the point is, according to Rava, you've defied the manayafa. Okay, so I'm going to eat it anyway. All right, you're going to eat it anyway. It's not so great, it's not, not so delicious in that context. As a result, suggests Rosh, according to Rava, a preparation would be, need to be immediately before Yom Tov. It's only according to Rav Asher that this is a symbol of sorts. According to Rav Asher, this, the purpose of this is that we look at the Eruvet wait a second, the only reason it's permitted to cook on Yom Tov is so that I can eat on Shabbat. I can't cook on Yom Tov so that I can eat on the weekday. I enter into Yom Tov and I have an Eruv Tavshilin that my great-grandfather prepared and it's still edible, all right? And I look at it and the whole household, oh, that's an Eruv Tavshilin. The only reason we're allowed to cook over here is because we have that. We're not necessarily going to have a delicious meal as a result of that, but its sign is there, its symbol is present. That's the difference between these two opinions, suggests Rosh. Rosh continues as Bet Yosef cites him, Sukkot, Shehaliot Behamishi Beshabbat. 
if Sukkot begins on a Thursday, explains Rosh, he says, as a result of this second opinion, that of Rav Asheh, if I begin Sukkot and I prepared my Eruv Tavshilin for the first days, the first half of Yom Tov, uh, there's no problem using it for my second half of Yom Tov. That's where the words of Rosh end. And here's the interesting thing. It's the conversation we had yesterday. According to Rosh, if I prefer, if I go with that second opinion, Rav Asheh's opinion, we generally do, Rav Asheh is a later generation, he's the one who edits this Gemara, we generally will accept his opinion. Why is he giving me that example? Why specifically from the beginning of Yom Tov of Sukkot to the end of Sukkot? Why don't you say from Pesach to Shavuot? Why don't you talk about from Shavuot to Sukkot? Why, why did it need to be the example he gave that it doesn't need to be on eight of Yom Tov? It's that you prepared at the beginning of the eight days and you could use it at the end of the eight days. Bet Yosef goes on to question, maybe it's specifically because it's all for that holiday. Maybe even according to Rav Asheh's rationale that the purpose over here is that it be symbolic that I realize the only reason it's permitted is it still on my mind? This was the conversation really was, that was playing out a little bit with Jared yesterday. And that was, even if I have it, maybe it needs to be a little bit more in my mind, and it won't be so if I did it so much in advance. Continues Beit Yosef at the end. Maybe it teaches you that you can cook on When? Maybe you would think you can't cook cook on but you can't. But you can't. You can't. This Eruv Tavshilin doesn't help you. As Charles pointed out yesterday, Eruv Tavshilin is important to note already, even though I want to address it later on. You can't cook from the first day of Yom Tov to the second day of Yom Tov under most circumstances. You can if there's a, a potential that people will come and visit or that it's going to be used on that day. But you can't cook on day one of Yom Tov, assuming I'm going to use it on day two. Maybe you why not? Why not? No, no, call them when you wouldn't have such an answer. That's, that's the claim, that's the safek of Beit Yosef in turn. So Beit Yosef is uncertain with regards to even permissibility, how much in advance you can prepare it. He continues at the end of this long block where he has this question, at the end of it where you have the bold letters again where it says, Ve'hakolbo, it says, Ve'hakolbo, it's a German source from several hundred years ago. Katav yesh le'ayenim li'aniyah hirubet tafshilin kodim yom tov. So he continues and he quotes from an Ashkenazic source very clearly that you're supposed to be mahmir, that you're supposed to be stringent. We don't have strong reason and proof uh, to argue that you can prepare your Eruv Tavshilin a lot in advance, although Rosh tease this up at this possibility, uh, he continues and he cites several authorities who will not accept it. Well, that being the case, again, the opinions of Rava and Ravasheh perhaps playing out in the center of this conversation, where do you end lahalacha? How much in advance can the Eruve Tavshilin be prepared and usable for the Yom Tov? Can I, if I did it now on Pesach, if for argument's sake, upcoming holiday, I need it again, can I use that one? Right, Shohan Aruch, the bottom line on this matter, right there in Siman Tafkov. If you, if you left the Eruv Tavshilin Aldat with the mindset, my mindset is to use it, to depend upon it anytime it's existent, even if it's for an altogether different Yom Tov, ideally, don't use it for the next Yom Tov. 
אבל בדיעבד, after the fact, forgot to leave another אלוף תפשילין, יכול לסמוך עליו, effectively what he's dealing with is, let me just articulate it for you, we're dealing with a rabbinic issue, a din de rabbanan, we have a safek in halacha, we had two opinions in rosh, we had kolbo, we had bet yosef being uncertain about this because of these two opinions, how to interpret them, how we derive this law, and as a result it says, ideally, you leave a separate Eruv Tafshilim for each Yom Tov. If you still have the Eruv Tafshilim from an earlier one, Yachod Ismoch Alav Bedi'avad. That's what... Does it matter how much of the Eruv Tafshilim? No. Wow. We'll talk about that. Uh, and we, we addressed it in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, V'im shi'er mimenu kol shehu. So kol shehu is enough for me to so far, possibly, to leave from Rosh Hashanah to Pesach. Right. It's Ravashes. It doesn't per se. Ravash. Ravashes says, I mean, come on. It's it, so to speak, Lehavdil, let's say, and I don't know if you do or don't, we could discuss the applicability or not. Um, in a home that has a, a sign for the Hurban Bayit of, of, uh, of the Beit HaMikdash. Yeah, when you enter the home, there's a, pe- pe- there's a portion that's left bare. Are you going to tell me I have to renew that every few months because I don't f- remember exactly why I left it that way? No, it's there, it's present, it's a reminder. The purpose of this is to recognize Again, every time I walk into the home, I recognize the Mikdash is destroyed. I don't need to re-op it. Every time I see the Eruv Tafshil, I'm aware that some of it is around. I recognize this. Other opinion. That's the opinion of Ravad. These are the two opinions. That's what we're suggesting. That's how Rosh reads it. Rosh reads it that the difference fundamentally is... I, I can't tell you, he won't tell you to what we can discuss that when we arrive at such a conversation, but the express purpose is not that it be part of your meal, that it, that it start your meal for Shabbat, that wasn't the idea, it's to symbolize in that fashion. Yes? Sorry, so it sounds like it's more just having the intention than the actual preparation that you're doing. So It won't work because you need to have a takana that a banan in place. And as a result, you know, you might argue as well if I wasn't Shia, no, it needs to be under all circumstances. We, we will get there. We will get there in, in due time. We'll get there in due time. We'll get there in due time. What's that? Why does it have to be food? We, we will deal with that on Daftet Zayin, but effectively, firstly, Takanat Hakamim, it's the way they established it. Why would they establish it as such? In order to make clear that this is the preparation of your meal. We're fake folk, even according to Rav Asher, but we're focused on the preparation of my meal can't be, what else are you going to be preparing from Shabbat to Yom Tov, from, from Yom Tov to Shabbat or Yom Tov to Hod? We'll deal with it in the Gemara. We'll deal with it in the Gemara when we get there. Not too long in time. Okay, back to the Gemara now. Uh, we are several lines down, about 10 lines from where the line's wide and in the middle of the line, uh, where the Gemara has Tafresh, Tanur Rabbanan. If you recall, the Gemara, we began yesterday, it's the story with Bili Ezer, who's uh, studying and teaching Torah on Yom Tob, and we're in turn going to see his reaction and uh, interaction with his students, which will then, after the whole story, lead us into a conversation again about Eruv Tafshilim. But in the interim, it'll address for us the halachot with regards to, in the eyes of Rabili Ezer, Simhat Yom Tob, rejoicing appropriately on Yom Tov. Tanur Rabbanan Ma'aseh Berbili Ezer, Shaya Yoshev Vidoresh Kola Yom Kulo, Behilchot Yom Tov. What happened was, Rabili Ezer on Yom Tov was sitting, 
teaching, extrapolating from Pesukim, from sources, the laws of Yom Tov, over the course of the day of Yom Tov. Yaseta Katri Shona, the first group of his students got up and left. Amar, he expresses about them, halalu ba'ale pitasin. Those individuals, as we mentioned yesterday from Rashi, they must own, they must have waiting for them at home large barrels of wine and of drink. Why so? That's why they're leaving so early. They must have to go involve themselves in that drinking. Is that positive or negative? Rashi, on the left-hand side, about the 10 lines before they widen in Rashi, he writes, Kelomar, at the end, we read the first part yesterday, Ba'alin These people are concerned with their, with their soul, but their physical side of it. They're not interested in uh, really exerting themselves and studying Torah. They just want to get home for their meal. So he's putting them down. He's speaking negatively about them. As they walk out, uh, those must be Ba'ale Pitasin. Kachinia, the second group, after some period of time. So he continued teaching the class, and things are going well. And then he sees a little bit of stirring, and people are leaving again. Amar halalu Ba'ale Haviyot. Uh, those guys, they're not, uh, they're not as great businessmen. They don't have as much drinks or waiting for them at home. Uh, they, they still have barrels of, of wine and of uh, good drinks at home. That's why they're leaving. So he's again snarling as he says this. Not very happy about it, according to Rashi's reading. Kachilishit, the third group. Amar halalu ba'ale kadin. They might not have large barrels, not even smaller barrels. Uh, they have jugs at home, but he's still, he's not talking positively. He's not excited about everyone leaving the class. Katrivi'it, the fourth group. Amar halalu ba'ale liginim. Kat hamishit, amar halalu ba'ale kosot. The fourth and fifth group, similarly, he goes lower and lower in terms of the, uh, the utensil, in terms of the, uh, the item that would be holding the drinks at home, down to, uh, they must have cups of it at home. But he's, he's speaking negatively. He's uh, criticizing each of these groups as they walk out and saying, look at them. They don't have the ability to sit down. They don't have the uwe to, to be involved in the study of Torah over the course of this day. They're going home to indulge. The sixth group are beginning to stir and get up. Amar, he says about that sixth group, as the Beit Midrash is beginning to really empty out. Halalu uh, those are, they must be the owners of, not cups, not jugs, not uh, barrels, not larger barrels. They're the owners of curses. They are cursed people. They stayed the latest in the class and they're still known as the Ba'alim Era. Says Rashi, I'll tell you why he got so, so angry about that last group. Now we're really four lines before Rashi's lines uh, um, um, widen. Shehaya bet midrash mitrokin me'od. Mitrokin milashon rek. The Midrash was becoming very empty. Ugenai hadavar, and it's, it's shameful. And in Rabbi eyes, this was not appropriate. So he's very personally invested in the sixth group. The sixth group are leaving Uli. I mean, they're the cursed individuals. Rabbi Hananel alternatively suggests, I think with a smile on his face, after all, it's Rabbi harsh words. He says, these people have neither Torah nor apparently uh, finances. Everyone else at least had a lot of food and drink at home. These guys, they don't have a lot of food or drink at home. That's why they stayed so long. But they can't even stay out the class, so they don't have the Torah either. <laughs> Curse it, at least you have uh, the Olam Hazeh. Otherwise, Olam Habba, you have neither one. Either way, says the Gemara then, so six groups have left. The sixth one got the harshest pronouncement from Rabili Ezer, but each of them got a deflating blow uh, verbally from him. And ultimately speaking, they're still... 
Give it a minute, give it a minute, give it a minute, give it a minute. Natan Enav Batalmidim. He now looks at his students who are remaining. Their face starts to change. They're getting nervous. They're turning red and white and other colors. Oh my goodness, what's he going to say to us now? Uh, they don't. Uh, it's, it's not a group any longer. They didn't get up to leave. They didn't get up to leave. They're the remaining individuals. And they, in turn, are not really. Rashi says, Says Rashi, they misunderstand what's going on. They can't understand it. The first five groups, he's making fun of them. They're so gluttonous. They have so much at home. They're going to indulge. They can't study Torah. Sixth group, who stayed the longest, maybe he called them cursed because they stayed too long? Is he angry at us? Everybody's getting confused. The rabbi's speaking harshly. No one fully understands it. Is the reason he got so angry at the sixth group because they stayed too long? What about us? Amar lahem, he, re- he, he reacts and tells his students who are remaining, Banai lo lachem ani My sons, my students, Harambam quotes from Gemara Masechet Kiddushin, in one or two places, the Gemara says that, Veshinantam lebanecha, lebanecha elu talmidecha. We envision students as being similar to children. When you teach a person, you birth within them a certain new life, a certain inspiration in terms of thought, in terms of appreciation, understanding of Torah. So he calls his students, my sons. My sons, I, you should know, I'm not rebuking you. I have no problem, no qualms with you. Sit down, continue this study. I'm only angry, I'm only annoyed at those who left. Why so? They've left behind life um, of eternity, meaning Torah, in order to indulge themselves and involve themselves in life which is temporal, in temporary life and involvements, meaning the engagement in eating food and rejoicing on the holiday. When the class finally does finish, and again, these final students, I can't imagine, had the audacity at this point to leave. As the class finishes, he responds, he reacts to these students to make it even more confusing. This is a pasuk from Sefer Nehemiah. And the context is somewhat in, important. And the context is, it's at the time that we are resettling the land of Israel after the first exile. And Ezra has been teaching the people lots of the halachot that they've been neglectful uh, with regards to fulfilling. And the people are very downtrodden, are very sad. And it's Rosh Hashanah, he's speaking to them and addressing them publicly. And he says to them, Gentlemen, ladies, go and exchange food and presents one with the other. Be happy. God is your source, inspiration of happiness on this day. Also, that pasuk in turn is what ultimately speaking to Bili Ezra says them, meaning go home. It's similar to the pasuk we read on the Mota Ekipur when we say, Lechechoves Mahatlachmecha. And those he's saying to them, you, you did a good job. You're all right. Now go rejoice with food and drink uh, and, and be able to fulfill appropriately Simhat Yom Tov. So it's not fully clear to us in reading and learning this at this point as to what Rabbi Eliezer really believes should be our proper behavior on Yom Tov. Is it just to see the class fully through? Are we supposed to be involved in meals or over uh, Torah, Torah over meals? Would an ideal be that I study Torah all day and almost fast? What's, what's his position? What's his perspective? No, no, but he's got a similar statement. Contemporary. 
What can I tell you? Rabbeinu Yonah in his commentary to Pekeh Avot makes clear for us that we're only done the kafsichut when there's a chizkat kashrut, when you assume, or when there's equivocal, when you're uncertain, you're uncertain what the situation is. I guess he's aware. So many people leaving, he knows the nature of these students, they're going to eat. Amar Mor says the Gemara now, says the Gemara now, let's return to this statement. Quote, Shimmanichim haye olam ve'oskin behaye sha'ah. The statement of Rabbi Eliezer and his final words to these students was, the reason I was disturbed, I was annoyed by those earlier students, is because they left eternal life and were focused instead on temporal life. Ask the Gemara, you've all been asking it throughout for good reason. Wait a second. They might be leaving the Torah, but ultimately speaking, there is a mitzvah of rejoicing on holidays. The Torah tells us that more than once. The Gemara in turn, Masechet, at the top tells us that the halacha is that if there's a mitzvah, if there's a mitzvah which is overed, there's a mitzvah which will be fleeting and leaving, it's time bound, and it can't be performed by others, you're supposed to stop your study of Torah and go and involve yourself in it. Obligated. So as a result, if Simchat Yom Tov won't be fulfilled by these students while they sit and immerse themselves in Torah all day, then how come they're not right in getting up and leaving? What's with your claims against them? Answers the Gemara, Rabbi Ezer is following and consistent with his general opinion, Abi, with regards to defining Simhat Yom Tov. We have perhaps for a moment or two or more assumed that Simhat Yom Tov is to be fulfilled specifically through fine meat and good wine, but Rabbi Ezer teaches us alternatively, De'amar Simhat Yom Tov Reshut. And the specific words over here are a little confusing unless you read it onward. Let's just read them and then read onward. He says, Simhat Yom Tob is not obligatory, it's optional. What are you talking about? I told you there's several Pesukim. Titanya, the Beraita, explains what we mean by this. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Enlo la Adam Biom Tob, Ela, O Ochel Veshote, O Yosheh Veshone. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Halekeu, Hetziola Hashem, Vehetziola Chem. Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is that there's an option, there's the potential for every person to determine how will they fulfill Simchat Yom Tov. When we say Reshut, we mean, when we say Reshut, we mean with regards to the indulgence in the physical sense. Rabbi Eliezer says you don't need to. If you want to, you can study Torah all day and minimize or cut out entirely eating. Uh, Rabbi Yoshua alternatively says, no, absolutely not. There's a necessity, the obligation of Simchat Yom Tov is that you couple the two, both the study of Torah, involvement in prayer and so forth, as well as meals and drinking in the appropriate fashion, a necessary healthy balance. That's the, the mahlokit here in the Gemara. So Rabbi Eliezer then, in his expression of, of, of anger or of annoyance at his students, was really just consistent with his opinion. He felt that they could and perhaps should be fulfilling Simchat Yom Tov through engagement in Torah. No, but we need to eat our meal. Uh, no, you don't. You can be studying Torah. That's where the Gemara leaves this. Optional is the wrong word. Optional to eat. That's the optional, not the mitzvah of Simchat Yom Tov. The part of Simchat Yom Tov, which is optional, is how you define it, right? That's right, that's, that's right, that's what I was saying. This is the Rabbi Eliezer who got kicked out of the position of being the chief. 
This is the Rabbi Eliezer, I think you're referring to the Gemara Baba Mitzian Dafnun Tet, where he was, that's not Rabbi Eliezer, your Gemara. Rabbi Eliezer is the Tanushel Achnai, he was the one who was excommunicated because he went against the majority. Okay. How does this make sense with the group, the sixth group that he shambles even the sixth group Rashi explained was because the Beit Midrash was emptying out. Rabbi Hananel said because they're, they're not doing it right. They're, they're not achieving in either one of these domains. The point is he's angry at all of them. The sixth one for a particular reason more than the rest. Tosafot does wonder though. Tosafot does wonder here. Right? Tosafot, Tosafot at the top right hand corner wonders, but what about the remaining students? When the remaining students are leaving, he seems to be giving them a farewell, a very positive one. He calls them that pasuk from Sefer Nehemiah. He says to them, go and eat and send to one. Well, one second, Vilya According to your logic, shouldn't they be sitting in the Midrash all day? Uh, why were you sending them off with a smile? No, it doesn't sound like it. it doesn't tell us it's Tosafot. That's right, that's right. Tosafot in turn suggests that the class was over. That's exactly, that's exactly right, says Tosafot. Ve'afal gav, the top right hand corner. And even though Dile'el earlier, Ka'amal Talmidav, he said to his students, Ikhlu mashmanim ushtumam takim, he told them, go eat the fatty food, delicious ones, and drink the good beverages. Mishum disiyem ha-derashahu, because he finished the derashah. Dehabishal yamim nameh hayu okhlim ahara derashah, you need to eat after the derashah. Umikom akom amar he was telling them, you need to, now that the class is over, it, it's not necessity that you study the whole day or eat the whole day, it's that you choose. Whereas Rabbi Yehoshua, it's splitting. For Rabbi Yehoshua, you do it however is most appropriate. If the class is over, there's downtime, now you should go and indulge in a different way on this day. The Gemara in Masechet Pesachim and Daf Samechet um, fills out this opinion of Rabbi Eliezer and says that although Rabbi Eliezer told us that technically speaking the choice is in your hand, you're able to choose, I want to study all day and minimize in eating, I, that's your decision. So the Gemara, three opinions with regards to exceptions that where even Rabbi Eliezer would agree you must under all circumstances have a full involvement or a, a partial involvement in eating. Says the Gemara, even Rabbi Eliezer agrees on Shavuot as opposed to Pesach and, uh, and Sukkot Deba'inan Melachim, that according to Bili Ezer, you need your own involvement in eating. Why would Shavuot be that? Yom Shenitena Bo Torahu. Because Shavuot's the day in which the Torah was given. You would, that's right. You'd imagine that, uh, ironically, you'd say, the holiday in which I commemorate the reception of the Torah is the holiday in which you would say, no, no, this one, no eating whatsoever. Yom shenitena bo Torah, explains Rashi, you're showing through your eating and drinking how much this day is exciting for you. In other words, if you were just studying, maybe you're not showing your own acceptance of it. In effect then, the eating and drinking is showing the full celebration, uh, uh, specifically on that day, ironically. Rabbah continues and he says, when it comes to Shabbat, it's necessary that you be eating and you can't just have a full study that day. The Torah, is, uh, the Navi is specific. There needs to be the Onig. Onig is understood as a physical enjoyment. And lastly, says the Gemara, um, uh, the last opinion, So whereas we have Shavuot and we have Shabbat, 
Purim as well, Maita Ama, the Pasuk says explicitly, It says explicitly, Purim was established as days of festive drinking and involvement and indulgence at those meals, which means to say that ultimately speaking, to be the Ezra's opinion is quite clear. When it comes to Yom Tov, we understand this position. You can have a Kulola Hashem, are going to be the words that we'll talk about, or Kulola Chem. You can in turn decide it however you want. When it comes to particular days, some of them ironic, other than others, as opposed to others. Shavuot, ironically, is the day in which we receive the Torah. Purim, according to the rabbis in Masechet Shabbat, is the day on which we re-received uh, the Torah. And ironically, those are the two days, as opposed to any other, where even Rabbi Eliezer agrees, you need to be involved in the eating and drinking. We'll continue in this conversation tomorrow.